when you get there to think, do I belong here? What am I doing here? More now. Totally out of my own view. But you quickly learn that when you start to have conversations with people, that you've got something in common. I wanted to make sure we're still in here, so all the trails. I like the idea of taking that first I have this idea that the kids these days need to do X, you know, or this uh, one kid in my class can't do Z, and I'm going to make a whole course to make sure that it's easy. Uh, whether you're taking an autism ID, that if you're two weeks, it's let's do semester projects in two semesters. Welcome to EdTrex Rewind. How you doing? I, I'm good. How are you, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. So a really informal way of starting our like podcast. Sh- yeah, it's true. I feel like you should do your introduction first, though. Like introduction? I, I'm trying to even remember. We've been waiting uh, for so long. Hi, like... uh, welcome to Ed Trex. This is another episode of Ed Trex. This is Quinn Henderson. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to another episode of the Ed Trex Rewind podcast. I'm Quinn Henderson. I'm Matt Winters. And it's great to be here. It's yeah, it's been a while. Like It's been too long, right? Yeah. We both have had some crazy busy summers. Yeah. And a lot's happened. I don't feel like I actually had a summer. Yeah, that's like, that's true. Well, you take on so much, and you've got so much going on that you're just—it's just an extension of the school year exactly. in a slightly different format. Yeah, with fewer teenagers, fewer teenagers, more adults acting like teenagers, acting like teenagers, or just adults. Period. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the whole like training and getting everyone going and going places and things like that. But I think that's what's interesting too, because I think you know you spend a lot of your summer preparing for a little bit different look in what you're going to be doing this year yeah well and it's it's been really cool what, what what's been great for me is is going out because i here's behind the curtain here we go let's let's oh, go back. this is top secret no, Matt's no, no, secrets no, no. it's to success well, i'm just getting get, get conc- your pens ready <laughs> getting the concrete details here uh six conferences this summer that's it, all. it? I mean... Yeah, I know, I right? Mean, I expected so much more from you. I know, I'm sorry. Six, <laughs> and all of them present presentations with mm-hmm. Blake Pope and, and Melissa Judkins and a few other people. And uh, presented all six of those, went to an NEH, uh, all these different things. And it's been great going to all these different schools and seeing all the different schools of thought, where people are at, what's going on. And so it makes me, A, appreciate where I'm at, and B, really understand kind of the whole ecology of education in this country where we're kind of at as a state, as a country, which is nice. It's good. No, I think that's, I think that's so awesome that you get out and you get all of these different perspectives and point of view. And it kind of comes back to really appreciating what you have. Um, and I think my experience over the summer was very similar. I was going to say you've been coast to coast in Canada and the United States. Yeah. It's been, it's been crazy. It's been hectic, but it's been a blast. Yeah. Right. But, and it's for the same reason that you're saying when you go to the conferences, you get to meet all of these different people, get in all of these different schools, different types of schools from public schools to boarding schools to charter schools. Yeah. And so you get this wide range of perspective and where they're at and the, the state of education really throughout all of North America. And it makes you really reflect on really what's going on in your neck of the woods. Exactly. I always I always now put it in the perspective of, well, what's going on with my kids, my own kids, yeah. in their school? Exactly. You know, so. And I don't have kids, but like the idea of the kids I work with, where are they at? Mm-hmm. And very similar ideas because, you know, same areas of the, of the world. And how are we succeeding? Where are we failing? How can we fix those failures? How can we accelerate the successes to become more of a success and what can we not steal but borrow from other districts or other areas because just because we're doing something good doesn't mean that it's the best 
I think this is a really good place to pick up off of our little break from the podcast because that's where the podcast started, right? Yeah. You know, we're at South by Southwest a couple of years ago. We brought the equipment and the idea there was to capture our experience and things that we learned and just share that out, mm-hmm. right? Because not everybody had access to be able to hear what was going on at this conference or where all these ideas converged um, to be able to get those and have that type of perspective. And now here we are kind of bringing things back up, saying, hey, we've still gone out to hear what's going on out there and where things are at. So, you know, over the summer, how would you say, you know, is there something you would summarize or something that stood out more than another this summer in your learning? I know, I just put you on the I spot. Know, yeah, I, I didn't prepare you that I was going to No, gonna it's cool. I, like, my, my worry is, is it's a, there's just so much. Right. Like, there, there's, uh, you, you, so let's lay it on the table. So, um, it's the certification class which was amazing. Like we could just do a whole episode on that. Okay. We'll make note of we'll that. Make note of that for later. It's the um, sponsor. Exactly. Um, Utah STEM action center conference, uh, teaching a, a grad class at Westminster going to, uh, ISTE and presenting there. Um, URSA conference, Utah rural schools association conference in Utah, uh, brain blast in Weber County, um, going to, uh, national endowments for humanity in, in Seattle. I mean, all of them are very different threads, of education, but most of those I presented at. And so getting into each one uh, would be really hard. That's why I'm going that way. I think the biggest thing I learned this summer, though, is that there are so many people out there that are hungry to make change and that the old institution of education, where it's one teacher, one classroom, kind of the sage on the stage, plus the isolation the teacher experiences, where it's their only, they're the only they only worry about their room is going away. Like, and it kind of has to. If you're going to have a school that is technologically advanced, that you're going to have a school that is teaching students to be future ready, you're not getting them into the paradigm of having your own classroom on their only your classroom working. And that was, that was the coolest part of it, was just like making those connections and having those kind of conversations with people. Well, and I, you, you kind of captured really what I experienced yeah. as well. Again, we're very redundant here <laughs> on this episode, but one of the things that was in the back of my mind is you were you were talking, and I was preparing myself to answer my own question. <laughs> I bought myself some time there. Uh, were skills mm-hmm. right, and that is one of the big shifts that I start to see a lot of schools think about. Is okay, we've been teaching the content and the curriculum, but what are the skills students need for the future? And a lot of schools and teachers are uncomfortable with that still. And so that begins by being able to get out and talk and share and develop experiences that also build skills as well as that content knowledge. And I think that's where a lot of the conversation is right now, mm-hmm. is preparing students for the future. But how do you do that if you don't know what it is, right? And it's skills. They need skills, that flexible, adaptable skill set that they're going to be able to to I'm trying to I'm making the like a button or a switch or a flip on. Well, I you're mean, trying to dial it in. Dial it in, yeah, yeah exactly. They they tune into exactly. when they need those skills, but they get all of that lived experience and that practice with those skills throughout their education. But the big question is, what does it look like? And it's really uncomfortable. And a lot of people struggle, struggle. I'm making up words. <laughs> struggle, <laughs> struggle, struggle. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll define that more formally and yeah. we'll, we'll post it out there. But they struggle really stepping outside of their comfort zone and doing something different. And, yeah. and so... 
Well, and I think just going like kind of looking at everything that I've done in the last six months, I think one of the biggest messages I've gotten is that idea of like getting teachers to try and fail, students to try and fail, recursive the recursive like design process where you have to you know iterate and build things and things like that. Um, but really, what you're coming down to behind that because you know that's that's a could be a really just placating rallying call we want students to try and then fail and try again and and Mm -hmm. grit and things like that where it's it's very you know flashy but the reality is is that what we're getting down to is that we want people to get out of their comfort zone because if you get them out of the comfort zone then they're more willing to be curious more willing to learn more willing to ask for help which is the goal of a great education no, I love what you say, that sometimes you say those things like grit and resilience, and that's all it is, is a rallying cry. Yeah. But when you ask people, well, what are you doing to teach that and create those experiences, they can't really tell you. They're like, oh, students need grit. Okay, well, how are they creating grit yeah. through what they're learning in your in your classroom? Or even worse, they look at a singular student experience and say, that's grit. That's right? what it looks mm-hmm. like. And I'm, every time I see that on Twitter or in real life or see it presented, I'm always like, that is fantastic. We got some bells going off in the background. Um, that is <laughs> like, we're, we're, like we're recording in a cathedral. I know, right? <laughs> um, we're in Europe right now, guys. No, it's true. <laughs> um, it, it's great to see that in a singular student or in a singular classroom. But the reality is, is that, yeah, we need to learn how, what are the strategies for this? How do we instill this? And then how do we make that a practice that the students can then take that and move that forward in their careers and their lives. What a, what a great point that grit or that skill or that character trait is so different for everybody. Yeah. And we so quickly point to that's what it looks like. Oh, I look something completely different for you. Yeah. And so making it personal in a way, but I think there's an element here too is how do you get students to recognize that individually and self-evaluate and go, boy, I have an opportunity to really grow here. You know, and so here's my grip moment. You know, it doesn't look exactly like that grip moment over there, but this is my grip moment. Yeah. You know, and then it continues to build. Exactly. You know, so this little grip moment here, that gets them one step closer and they continue to build upon it. It's not like you go, okay, that was a grip moment, check it off, moving on. That's continually in their mind now thinking about this is my opportunity to rise to the occasion, to develop this trait or this skill, or there's an opportunity for me to step outside of my comfort zone and grow exactly and also with, on the teacher side of it you know i always think about have you ever seen the film whiplash no nope. <laughs> it's, it's great it's a great film it, it almost won an oscar a few years ago it was by the same guy who made um uh the movie with oh man now i'm oh like, yeah, yeah i'm not gonna be any help ryan, Go- ryan gosling where he's in L- la la land Oh, well, same director. okay i did um, watch that one. <clears throat> there you go so he made this movie called whiplash and it's about a drummer going to a really late school and the drum coach um, played by J.K. Simmons who I believe went up for an Oscar for this <clears throat> he plays a teacher whose rallying call is basically you saying good job is not is not conducive to a good environment in the classroom and that's always stuck with me in the film it, and this is true of real life you may get a good result out of that kid that student but how do we my, my always my question with grit is how do we teach kids to be to have that perseverance, but not teach them in a way that tunes them off to other things in real life mm-hmm. and makes them so determined that they forget to take care of themselves. Be well, that's the, that they, they kind of think that's the only thing. 
Yeah, exactly. Right? So you've got to have that broad spectrum. But what you're saying to me, in, in the sense of a teacher, is kind of be that coach yeah. in a way. And I think the way you say good job isn't enough, I think it's got to be more specific than that. Yeah. It's like you did this right here and that showed really this and be really specific. And I think that is more motivating and inspiring for anybody rather than say, oh, good job, way to go. Exactly. It's, it's very generic. And it might be a very authentic, good job, way to go. I'm proud of you. But to go a little bit deeper and say, I'm proud of you because this and you did this and you overcame that. And that's, you know, big high five, way to go. Can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah. You know, you're giving something a little bit deeper. And I think that's a comfort, a step outside of the comfort zone for a lot of teachers. You might go, I don't have time to do that for every kid. But it's being able to recognize the moment to do that. Yeah. One, well, as, as we move towards, I mean, future episode here. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, working with personalized, edu- uh, personalized education and this idea of, Making sure that's competency based, mm-hmm. which we're gonna have some guests on that in a couple days or a couple episodes. That right there, you can't do it all in one class period, mm-hmm. and especially with 125 kids that most teachers have. I mean, I'm thinking secondary, but still, 125 kids, you can't really do it with them all. But you can do it for one kid per class every month, or mm-hmm. two kids per class every month. Well, and it makes you know you even go back further than when you're doing competency based, you know, skills. Um, you're, you kind of always find your way back to relationships too. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're able to really drive that forward. And so here we are again, we've had these conversations before that, you know, if you build really effective relationships, then a lot of things fall into place. And I think that that will really be the case in competency-based education, which are those skills that students need for the future. If you don't have a good relationship with somebody, how are you going to give them that feedback beyond way to go, good job? You know, you've got to be able to say, hey, I know you and I know this was hard for you. And so that is absolutely amazing that you did that. And I think, you know, as a parent, probably the most valuable thing a teacher could tell me, especially sitting down at parent-teacher conferences, your kid grew in this way. You know, they're so, so great for others or they're a great help for others or they're a leader in this area and they've demonstrated this skill. Now, you know, beyond the grades, I know my kids, what they can do, you know, academically. But that extra stuff, if a teacher is able to tell me that, I'm probably going, yes, I want you to be my kid's teacher for forever. Exactly. And the, and the kids mostly want to learn, too. And they'll, you can tell a teacher when you walk into their room whether or not you've got the buy-in from them or not. And that buy-in is hugely important to getting those, that next level of relationships, building the ideas, and then getting, the, the, getting kids to really dig their heels in and do something cool with their, whatever it is, whether it be theater or gym. Or you know, whatever they're passionate about, or whatever yeah. sparks them, and that's that's a challenge. You know, we've all had those types of students. It's just really hard to connect with them, mm-hmm. you know, and establish the relationship for one reason or another. Or there's kind of a certain type of student that we're kind of drawn to that we can connect really quickly with. Um, so I think you know, really, those moments that measure, you know, they're good feedback for you on what you're doing is when you make that connection with that student that you typically have a hard time breaking through too and then it's like okay now we can we can grow and you just grew right as, yeah. a, as a teacher and then you can help that student grow well we talked a lot about you know this idea of failure and recreation and grit and blah 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 blah. but 
one of the things I, I really am impressed with every time I go out and do big long PD sessions like I did this summer is seeing teachers that are willing to take that time and go do that because it's not rare but it's definitely always really enlightening to me as a person that those teachers are willing to step outside do that that extra learning goal and then bring it back to their classroom because at least in my experience and I, and I don't know about other teachers but I I hope that they have this experience where you bring it back to the classroom you have that extra level of expertise and the kids respond to that because it's not just something esoteric that the teacher read in a book that they learned in college or something like that it's something that hey they went to a place they visited that site or they spent time learning about that thing like this last week i was in salt lake city as part of something for the state board and i told my kids about it and then the next day or yeah yesterday when i came back the kids were all asking me questions about it because they were excited to know what I was doing and they wanted to learn more about what is happening with their education. So these 15, 14, 15 year old kids are just like, woohoo, I want to learn more about what you're doing because I shared. And I think it's important that we as teachers do that two step process of getting outside the classroom, going and do it, having those experiences as much as we can, not all the time, but as much as we can. And then two, sharing them back with the students so that they just don't become stagnant things that we did. Well, there's so much when you do that that makes you more real for yeah. those students, right? They have their life outside of school, and you have your life outside of school, and very few teachers bring much of that into it. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, that's a big part of really developing skills that they need for real life is being able to share real-world experiences. I'm not saying go dump your entire dirty laundry oh, please don't. to your students. Um, you're going to create a whole mess of problems and maybe develop the wrong skills in students. But you need to share and be vulnerable to some degree and open about really what drives you. And I know that's one thing that drives you are those learning opportunities to build and grow as a teacher, as a coach, as a leader. Um, And when you're excited about something, the students get excited about something. Agreed. And they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I also did this. And and they're just going to rattle all day long about all the great things they did. Yeah. Well, what's what's been interesting for me is that going along with that, like this – when you when you have a teacher who's trying to come from a place okay let me reverse sorry i'm going to take a step back here so in this day and age expertise is not just accepted you have to have a certain level of vulnerability and you have to continue that expertise and prove that to any audience no matter what who they, who they are but students are particularly susceptible to this they want to know that their teachers are moving in a direction where they have that expertise and that continued expertise. And so if they're not going in that direction and they're never sharing that expertise with students, the students are never going to respect them. They're going to lose that respect for that teacher over time. And so whenever I go on a PD or whenever I go on travel and things like that, I'm always bringing back to the class and saying, okay, guys, you know, hey, in fact, like just this year, I've had students say, oh, Mr. Winters, you know a lot of people worldwide. And I was like, I do. Because I go to a lot of these things and I share a lot with people and it makes me excited and I bring it back to you guys because I want you guys to have that experience with me. And it adds a lot to our classroom that is otherwise not there. And fundamentally, it models that you never stop learning. Exactly. Right. And so the students start to see it's like, wow, I might as well dive into learning now. It's never going to go away. Or if I want to be successful or I want to be happy, then maybe I should think about falling in love with learning. Yeah. Well, it's that idea of natural curiosity that is sadly weirdly going away. 
Yes, it goes away after kindergarten, little by little, yeah. and then eventually you're not curious about anything. And it makes me so and sad. And then you die. And then you die. <laughs> you, uh, the curiosity leads to, lack of curiosity leads to death. Yes. Dr. Hmm. Quinn Henderson. <laughs> um, on my tombstone. And I understand <laughs> lack of curiosity. Um, but, but seriously, though, like, I, I feel this from adults, especially acutely, there's a lot of people that they're happy, not necessarily not knowing, but not doing the work to know. And they're afraid. And they're afraid. What they don't know. And so my hope, like if, and this is getting really big all of a sudden here, my hope for the next generation is that we can instill that create that curiosity back into them. Because if we're able to get that curiosity going this naturally all the time, learning happens automatically. It's like the natural mechanism of education. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of um, a quote from one of the explorers, George Karunas. Mm. I'm from Canada. Does all kinds of crazy things. But he says, and I'm going to get this wrong, I'm sure of it. But, you know, fear shouldn't stop us from doing something, right? Fear, fear is kind of really what pushes us away a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. uh, but curiosity is what should draw us in to something, you know. So you think of, that just, you know, in my mind that all of the things that we avoid are things that we're afraid of, right? Um, and so I can think of a lot more things that I'm afraid of right now, I'm going to admit it, that I'm afraid of that I'm curious about. And I consider myself to be a pretty curious person. Yeah. Um, and you think about this day and age when we have all of this information, we have access, we can find out anything we want anytime, we should be more curious. Because mm -hmm. like, wow, what about this? And what about that? You know? And then this sparks this idea. And is that possible? Yeah. Now, but we don't even take the time just a few minutes to explore what we're curious about. Yeah. It's been, it's been hard for me the last couple of months thinking about this heavily because... Um, you know me and anybody that really knows me I'm a music guy like I love music I have tons of records um, I just remember being younger and having all that extra time to fall into Wikipedia holes oh, yeah. and just looking up at different bands and connecting the dots between things and even now as a, like, as a busy adult I don't have that time anymore and so curiosity has that time part part to it as well yep that's uh, that really resonates with me you know there are so many times I think about things like that that really I'm like, oh, I want to do more of this, or I'm really curious about that. And it comes down to time. I don't, I don't carve out the time. And maybe that's an experiment we could try is carving out some curiosity time and yeah. see the impact that it has on us on a yeah. later episode. That's true. But to quote one of my favorite philosophers, Henry Rollins, just mm -hmm. kidding, he's, he's a punk singer, but I, I kind of <laughs> think of him as a philosopher. He, uh, he has the same kind of sentiment, this idea that... Um, there's all these German writers I want to read and all these Russian authors and things like that. When am I ever going to have time to catch up with all the intellectually curiosity, curious, curious activities that I want to do? But I think that in of itself, acutely understanding where your curiosity is, wants to lead you, but you don't have the time to commit to it, is such an important part of the whole process. And I think that's... Like really sums up our summer and our break. Yeah, oh yeah. Was exploring our curiosities a little bit, right? Oh yeah. Um, which made us more curious about other things, but now it's carving out the time to explore them even further. Which is what we're going to do on future episodes: is dig into some of these kind of curiosity <laughs> issues as teachers and as educators, people affiliated with the education field, and really talk about um, over this next season. You know, things that are 
bugging us, things that we're excited about, things that we're curious about, and hopefully bring some people along for the ride that we'll be able to talk to. Exactly. I will, let's bring some other people into these conversations and go even deeper. Exactly. I'm looking forward to it. Very cool. It's going to be a good season. Cool. All right. This has been another episode of the EdTrex Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Quinn Henderson. I'm Matt Winters. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care.